there, I'm your host Marlene McConnell and welcome to the Surviving Trauma Stories of Hope podcast. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome the lovely Madeline Papalka to the podcast. Madeline is a writer, trauma survivor and mental health and LGBTQ advocate. Born and raised in the Bay Area, she grew up in an Asian American household where mental health was never discussed. As a daughter of a refugee, intergenerational trauma runs through her family and she struggled with her mental health her entire life. She thought she was broken and damaged beyond repair and she suffered in isolation. In her 20s, she started to experience PTSD symptoms and she didn't know the first step in getting help. Nobody taught Madeline how to heal and she knew she wasn't alone. As she began learning life lessons along her healing journey, she felt the urge to share her insights so other sufferers wouldn't feel so isolated. In February 2020, she created a space for other trauma survivors, which quickly became the largest growing trauma healing community on Instagram. Through healing, Madeline discovered and reconnected with parts of herself and she cultivated a sense of internal peace and freedom that she never experienced before. Now, she is on a mission to help others do the same. Her first book, You're Going to Be Okay, was released in September 2022. It's been a pleasure having Madeline join me on this podcast episode and I know, my listeners, you will enjoy this episode. Thanks again to all my listeners for joining me on this journey. Comment on the posts on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. Also head to Amazon.com and Takealot.com and get your copy of my book Ray of Light and please leave me a rating and review. It would mean so much to me. Also, please check out my website and download your free journal prompt and relaxing meditation on the resources page. As always, stay tuned and keep listening. Hi, Madeline. Welcome. It's so nice to have you join me here at the Surviving Trauma Stories of Hope podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me and for creating the space for so many important conversations. Oh, wow. Yes. And of course, um, healing from trauma is one of um, my favorite topics, and I believe uh, yours too. If I just look at your Instagram following and the community that you've built on Instagram, then definitely um, I must thank you for the work that you are doing to help others in this world heal just from a post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. So, um, Madeline, I mean, you grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, I believe that's a beautiful part of California, right? Yes. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, And you grew up in an Asian American household. I did. Um, My mom is a refugee from Vietnam and had a very traumatic past, um, living through the devastation of the Vietnam War and everything that followed. And, um, you know, her trauma has, is a part of me as well. Um, So that has definitely, learning about that has definitely been part of my healing journey. That is, I feel like we should have your mom here too, to have this conversation. (laughs) Because 
the the I mean the the level of trauma that you are describing that she had endured is you know the kind that you yourself don't even understand in the moments that you experience following that trauma. And so um, growing up in a household with someone like that, that must have also been very confusing for you. Yeah. Um, and I think with my mom, like she was so grateful to be in America, um, to have established some safety, to be able to have her basic needs met because in Vietnam she faced, you know, starvation and, you know, what didn't have secure housing and um, just there was a lot of violence um, surrounding her. So I think she was so grateful to finally be in America and to escape all that. And then she just sort of didn't look back um, and really just focused on creating a better path for herself and then also for me and my siblings. And, um, you know, I think her trauma did show up in the way that she had parented me and my siblings, which is part of my trauma. Um, and, you know, just cultural differences, um, you know, corporal punishment was a norm in Vietnam, and she endured physical beatings regularly. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she knew that that wasn't acceptable in America. Uh, so she refrained from being physical with me, but she did still threatened to beat me and to, you know, would chase me around the house and would terrify me in that way. And um, I think it was really hard for me to validate that experience because I always compared it to, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad because I wasn't beat physically, even though I was still terrified and it started to instill this belief that I was unlovable. Otherwise, why would my mom treat me that way? Right. And that is, I suppose, when we talk about, you know, a generational trauma that gets passed down is that your mom probably in her own way, whether diagnosed or undiagnosed, probably suffered her own PTSD. And based on the experience, and I mean, there were so many, what I would say, instigating events that you've described just in her environment in Vietnam, that the experience of all these various instigating events probably led to an undiagnosed PTSD uh, diagnosis for mm -hmm. your mom, which in turn then led to the behavior that you found to have, you know, inflicted a, a sense of trauma and fear and anxiety in you, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I think we, we don't often think how generational and cultural trauma can really affect our childhood and even our current life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm so grateful that more information about this is becoming available because it can be really confusing when you're going through it or, you know, and there's a lot of new emerging studies that are coming out that have revealed that 
if your parent is someone who has gone through trauma and is living with PTSD, your risk of developing PTSD after going through a traumatic event is higher. And when I was first diagnosed with PTSD, I had a lot of shame around it because I was like, you know, I went through all these experiences and none of them was extremely severe. I kept on downplaying it, saying that it's not that bad. And um, I became frustrated with myself because I was like, why am I struggling so much with PTSD? But then looking back into generational trauma and gaining more information around there really helped release some of my shame because it didn't, it, it, it didn't just start with me. It has everything to do with what my mom went through and how I, in the environment that I was brought up in as well. Mm -hmm. I know a bit about your, the background of your story and the PTSD didn't actually manifest for you till much later in life. And you've mentioned that there were a few other experiences other than the childhood trauma that you have described. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I find it interesting that there were other experiences and then it manifested only in your late 20s. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I went through several traumatic experiences through my life, um, you know, starting with childhood. But because none of them were, quote unquote, that bad, and I thought that they could have been worse, I just continued bearing my pain and kept trying to move on. And, you know, I did this as a coping mechanism. This is how I continued to live throughout my teenage years, throughout my 20s. But, you know, it's like nobody's story is... Um, like my story is very complicated, just like many trauma survivors. Um, and it isn't linear. It is a mess. But um, so I went through the childhood trauma. And then it's like I was living with PTSD symptoms. I experienced depression and anxiety, but didn't have the words to verbalize it. I even attempted suicide. Um, when I was 20 years old. And that was before going through a few other smaller, quote unquote, smaller traumatic experiences in my late 20s. But then as the trauma continued to compound, the PTSD symptoms became more severe. And they just intensified over time, the more that I continued to bury my pain and ignore the current symptoms that I was experiencing. And the more I tried to forget what I'd been through, it's like one way or another, your trauma is going to get your attention. And, and for me, that didn't happen until my late 20s when I experienced you know, panic attacks multiple times a day, um, you know, severe anxiety, insomnia. Um, and it got to the point where I couldn't work, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't hold conversations with other people. Um, and at that point, that's when I was finally like, okay, I need to figure out what, what is going on, because I, I I couldn't go on living like that. Yeah. 
It makes me think of the book uh, written by Oprah Winfrey and the psychologist, you know, that says, oh, what yeah. happened to you is the title of that book. Yeah. Because that yeah. ultimately is what we have to own. We have to own the things that happen to us. Um, and w when I listen to you, the, the, that's the one thing that comes up, uh, for me. The, the other thing is that, you know, when we, when we look at the experience of trauma, you know, there is the experience that happens in, you know, a singular event. So, you know, a motor vehicle accident, one event, the experience of that is traumatic. But then there is this prolonged event, you know, somebody that grows up in severe poverty, that spends their entire childhood and everything trying yeah. to, you know, uh, battle starvation, malnutrition, etc. So that in itself is the prolonged experience of trauma, right, of an event. And the event mm -hmm. is not singular. It's, it's yes. over a course of time. And it sounds like that was your experience starting from your early childhood all the way through to adulthood, well, late into your adulthood to, to the late 20s. And, you know, I think you're right when mm -hmm. you say it's actually compounded trauma because it, it sounds like you're literally carrying the one into the other into the next, into the next. Yeah. And you just feel like you have to kind of bear all of it because, you know, you don't know any, any better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like another, another very real way that I knew that like, it was all these traumatic experiences compounding is my worst. It was like all the fears from these traumatic experiences all came together and kept on building on top of one another. And for example, like my worst nightmares that I'd ever had were multiple traumatic experiences wrapped into one dream. So it was like all my fears coming together and joining forces to terrorize me. Um, so it's just, if you, I continued trying to move on and not addressing it. And just the fears just kept on building on to one another. And when you are in those nightmares or you're having those flashbacks to whatever the instigating event is, it feels so real. They are so vivid that you actually can't distinguish between what is real and what is the dream. Was that your experience? Oh, absolutely. Like it would, when I would have these nightmares, they would be so vivid and I'd wake up in a panic and it would take me sometimes hours or days to completely come back down from that because mm -hmm. it does feel so real. Um, and when, you know, you're triggered and like, and not in your sleep and you're reminded of something, it could just be the smallest thing, a scent, a touch. And if it reminds you of that um, traumatic event, it can just bring you back to that place. And it's true. It's truly terrifying to live through. And that's something that I wish um, more people understood because um, some people can see us get triggered and they'll be like, oh, you're overreacting because they don't see the 
fear and feel the fear that we feel just seeing it like externally. They're like, oh, like, why would you freak out over that one little sound? But to us, it reminds us of our trauma. Yeah. And those fears are deeply rooted within us. And if they are disturbed, they cause a massive disturbance on our spiritual hearts. And inside us, it is turbulence, right? Um, Which isn't visible with the naked eye, you know, especially when we try to control that within. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, so what happened in your late 20s that really sort of brought all of this together? And what led you to the decision to seek help? And and how did you get the PTSD diagnosis? Yeah, so in my late 20s, what happened was the first event happened when I was 26. And I was just long story short, I was just on my way by myself walking to the farmer's market in San Francisco, when I started to be followed by the stranger. And then that soon turned into like a full out chase where I was sprinting, running for my life, screaming for help. Um, In the area where I was in, there was nobody around because it was early in the morning on a weekend. And um, luckily, there was a car that came and I was able to, I ran into the street, would have preferred getting hit by the car than attacked by the stranger. Um, And I ultimately got out of the situation okay, unharmed. After getting the car's attention, the guy went in a different direction and I was able to carry on. And that's one reason why I completely dismissed and minimized what happened. Like I got out of it okay. I was unharmed physically. Um, So I was just like, even though I was physically and emotionally shaken, like literally yeah. shaking um, with fear. I, um, I still well, you were running for your life. Lit- yeah, I was, and there was even a point when I was like, you know, this when I was exhausted, and I was like, I can't keep running like this. I was like, this is it. This is he's going to get me. And um, so there was that moment, and he just was, kept chasing you. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. So, yeah, so it was really That's terrifying. Awful. Yeah, but I I was again, I was just like I got out of it okay. It's not that bad. Forget about it. Move on. Um but you know, after that experience, I was very scared to be walking alone day or night and even with some of my friends, like I just didn't feel safe like walking around outside and um I was scared to leave my apartment. Um, and then, so then that happened. Then two years later, I, not even two years later, about 18 months later, um, my friend and I were just out at a wine bar at one of my clients places, actually, um, having an evening of catching up over wine. And then, um, she ended up getting drugged and, um, was, sexually assaulted that night and 
because and I was there to witness what happened in the aftermath, to see her fear, her crying. Um, I had a huge amount of guilt because I blamed myself for it and I thought that I could have prevented it. Um thought that I could have done more to make sure that it didn't happen. Um, and I, again, dismissed it because I was like, this happened to my friend, not me, even though I would have visions and dreams about getting attacked and assaulted by men. Um, so it's like seeing what happened to her and being so close to it instilled this fear that it could happen to anyone at any time. And I felt like it would happen to me eventually. So um, that, that just added to the fear. And then soon after that, that's when my PTSD symptoms really escalated. Um, it, It was, and I just, it got to the point where I was basically couldn't do anything other than cry all day because I was so scared to leave my house. I, you know, had even moved out of San Francisco. I was really avoiding everything that I thought I, um, that was dangerous. And, um, when I was experiencing multiple panic attacks a day and I had a hard time working or focusing or, and couldn't sleep, went multiple days without sleeping. Um, that's when I was like, okay, I need to get help. And because a lot of my symptoms were really like, I could feel them physically, like my, you know, racing heart and a just shortness of breath. I had digestive issues. Um, at sometimes I would even, um, like break out in like a rash. So it's just like all these physical symptoms. So at first I thought that there was something physically wrong with me. So I went to like a physician um, who did all the tests, blood work, everything. And they were like, you're completely healthy physically. Like we don't see any like physical issue with you. And I was like, okay. Right. So, so by process of elimination, I finally got um an appointment with a therapist and even then i had buried these experiences so deep like i was so far removed from them that it took multiple therapy sessions for this stuff to even start coming out and um it was only because the therapist asked she was like you know, have you been through any like terrifying experiences? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like I had buried them that I couldn't even access those memories at that time. Um, when it started to come out through my nightmares, actually, um, when I was, I told my therapist, you know, I was like, I'm waking up with really bad anxiety. I'm in a panic at 4am. I can't go back to sleep. I don't know why I'm doing that, like why this is happening. And then um, she suggested that I try to work on remembering my dreams. And then through these nightmares is what unlocked my trauma memories for me. Um, And then that's what led to my PTSD diagnosis. Gosh, that's a lot for one person to experience 
in such a short space of time, 18 months. Yeah. But I can also have empathy and absolute compassion with the experience of that second degree trauma. Because even though, you know, the sexual assault didn't happen to you, you witnessed it directly. It was your friend. It could have been you. And that's that's the trauma that you experienced, right? Um, and and that is a very, yes. a very real experience because I, I think I think that mm-hmm. we we don't always think that in our world this is the type of thing that happens because we live in a a benevolent world. We grow up in a certain way, we grow up in a certain neighborhood with certain people. And so we don't really necessarily think this is something that happens to us. Uh certainly for me, from my perspective, you know, it's the kind of thing you see on the news, you read in the newspaper. And so when it happens to your friend the way it did to you, um, that is a a a very, very uh, real traumatic experience. So once you were diagnosed, um, Madeline, I I assume that from what I know, that the important thing for us to deal with when it comes to healing from trauma is how it affects us in the present moment rather than to actually go back and say, okay, this is what had happened. This was the instigating event. This was the instigating (laughs) event in my childhood. I guess as a consequence, if discussion leads to that point where that comes up, it's very helpful and the discovery and the connection is almost mind-blowing because we make it ourselves. So how did you navigate the impact it had on your life at that point in time? For me, when it came to treatment, it was I was not in a stable enough position to actually go back and revisit those trauma memories. So a lot of my therapy work up front was gaining stability, giving myself the tools that I needed to cope with the anxiety, with the panic attack. So a lot of grounding work, a lot of breathing exercises, trying to incorporate mindfulness, um, just really, it, it was really focused on creating a safer environment for me, both inside of therapy and more importantly, outside of therapy in my own home and just working on building the tools that I needed to cope day to day and to be able to um, be able to stay in the present moment. Because the thing is with trauma, like we do get intrusive thoughts and then they can spiral into, um, you know, you just spiral into this destructive cycle. And um, so, yeah, a lot of my trauma work was just focusing on being able to find safety in the present moment. And then later on, once I had a good foundational base, then we were able to go back and make those connections. And it was a huge part of my healing process was, you know, identifying my triggers and making the connection between them and the traumatic experience, because that released a lot of shame for me. So instead of just being triggered over 
like the sound of footsteps clapping behind me because that was a very strong like that noise is ingrained in my brain from being chased before yeah so I used to get panic attacks after hearing that it was like my brain would jump to conclusions and I was like danger I'm going to get chased after hearing that and before it was before making that connection I was like why why am I freaking out over just this noise of someone walking behind me and really being able to make that connection and internalize it helped reduce a lot of that shame and allowed me to be more compassionate with myself, which is, I think, so critical when it comes to healing from trauma. Yeah. I think it's important that we give that compassion that we so generously give to others, to ourselves, you know, and, and really practice that kindness Oh, yeah. Um, and validate ourselves, you know, that the things that we experience, uh, like you mentioned, you know, what is ingrained in your mind, it, it is valid. Yes. And th- what it causes is valid. It's okay for you to feel that way. And, um, you know, yes. it is something Absolutely. that you can process. Yeah. So, I mean, positive when we talk about, you know, um, talk about healing from trauma, you know, the question that I have is why positive change? Because you've described practices now that has brought about positive change for you um, in those initial days um, because you couldn't really access the past. Um, But the positive changes that trauma survivors experience can also be stressful. It's like all change, um, positive Mm. or negative, is really hard to deal with, especially if you've experienced trauma. Just anything new, um, like a new environment, new, new people in your life, whatever it may be, new practices, you know, anything that pushes you out of like what you find comfort or safety in or what has been normalized, even if it isn't necessarily healthy or good. Um, It's just like what we're used to, we find comfort in. And any change, even if it's positive, can take a while to adjust to. Um, so I definitely like to remind people like incorporating like new practices into your life, um, even if they will ultimately benefit you can be a challenge in the beginning. And just because it is a challenge or it feels like unsafe or scary to do, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the wrong decision. Um, you know, sometimes it just, there's just an adjustment period. And I also think that sometimes when you talk about going back to what feels familiar, I think that is something that trauma survivors struggle with because the initial days after adjusting from the incident and having that experience that is traumatic, the coping mechanisms sometimes aren't healthy, but they feel good. 
they they feel right yes. and so and so even when we start to change that with these practices it's almost comfortable to be in in the coping mechanism um which might not be that healthy yeah so yeah it, exactly yes yeah so it definitely can be a, a stressful experience something mm-hmm. else that um that i've been thinking about and i suppose it's different when there's a single act, act, act or a single event rather than when there's prolonged trauma over a period of time mm-hmm. is anniversaries. You know, if you, if you think about oh my gosh, like yes. something happened to you, right? Like this is something that I own. I remember this day. If we even just take um, your experience of going to the wine bar or going to the market uh, you know, it's um, it's something that you associate with the time of the year. It's something that you associate with uh, summer or winter, the season. Uh, like in your case, morning. You know, morning on a weekend. Yes. Um, and so, yes. and so, every other morning on a weekend is now something that that's challenging, but anniversaries generally are difficult for survivors to to deal with i remember doing research um a couple of years ago and i came across the australian bushfires and it was interesting because it was actually a trauma experience of an entire community that had suffered at the hands of the bushfires that burned down the houses and around the anniversary when the wind started to blow a certain way and they could smell you know the 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 pine from the 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 trees these were all small things that were triggering in their minds the experience that that had happened to them that was about to come and so they knew that that anniversary was coming and so the tension started to build round about that that time which is a terrifying uh, mm-hmm. thing in itself. So do you have any tips for, because I know that you you have a trauma community and, and you're an expert guiding on this. Do you have any tips for relieving um, any type of stress and anxiety that uh, the listeners may have when an anniversary is looming of, of obviously a traumatic event? Absolutely. I think it's a really good opportunity to prepare yourself for it. If you know that it's coming up, I do think that it's more challenging before you make the connection. Whereas like, for example, my, I attempted suicide on Christmas Eve. So just that holiday season before making that connection, because again, I completely detached myself from that experience. Um, before making that connection, I would have like a lot of anxiety and depression around that around the holiday season, but I couldn't identify why. And then once making that connection, I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. So now I know the holiday season is always going to be hard for me. And I know that I need to prepare for it. So one thing that um, I recommend people do is to seek out extra support. If you know that it's going to be a hard time for you, maybe you start to see you, you get professional help, like seeing a therapist, or if you're already seeing a therapist, maybe you can 
double up on sessions if it's like a really hard time. And if you're, um, if you're, um, if you can afford it, or if your therapist allows it, if you can lean on social support from your friends, like, for example, like, it's hard for me to be alone during the holiday season, just because that was a time when I felt so isolated. So really leaning on friends and my partner and letting them know like, hey, this time of year is really hard for me. It would mean a lot if, you know, you can plan to go with me to this thing or to come over during this time. Um, So just reaching out and leaning on your community. And then I would say probably the most important thing is to be gentle with yourself and to have some self-compassion to really practice that because I think around the anniversary date, especially if it's something that's in the has happened years and years ago, it's really easy to get down on ourselves and be like, why am I still struggling with this? I should be over this by now. But yeah, so just reminding yourself that it is okay to be struggling, especially around an anniversary date of a trauma experience. And there is no set time that you need to be healed by. Um, It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't, you know, it can take years and years and years, decades even to um, feel like you are in a position Mm -hmm. when you aren't affected by it as much. But I can tell you that like things that happened over 20 years ago from my childhood still affect me today. Um, And, you know, it's not healing isn't about like getting rid of all your quote unquote negative feelings. It's about learning how to navigate through them. So, um, you know, showing yourself some love along the way can make the journey more enduring. Yeah. Two things that you said just stood out for me. One that one is something that I did not even think about, but you're so right. You must have that awareness first, right? Because very often we don't know. We just seem to feel unsettled roundabout the holidays or we think, ah, oh, you know, what's going on this week? I can't quite put my finger on it. Right. So, so, th- so having the awareness to be able to identify that this is looming, it is approaching. Um, and this is why I feel unsettled. That's the first step. Um, and I love the practical, um, mm-hmm. guidance that you've given the listeners, because I think it's important for us to know that we should reach out. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying, I need help. I need yeah. support. Can you be with me? Can you stay with me? This, this is becoming a bit challenging. And I think sometimes it, it's shameful for us. And so we don't ask. Um, but that, that, And that's where I think the compassion piece that you're referring to comes in. Be gentle with yourself and allow yourself this this opportunity to receive love, essentially. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, you've spoken about childhood trauma experiences. You've spoken about your experience round about the holidays with attempted suicide. We've spoken about the experience 
um, in San Francisco with the chase we've spoken about, your friend. All of these are vastly different. Um, when you speak to other survivors, do they ever say to you, um, you know, Madeline, I want to talk to you about something, but what happened to me is not in the least like all the things that have happened to you. It's not that big. It really, mine is like tiny. Do you ever find that people come up to you that you, when you speak to other survivors, that there is a, a, a sense of almost comparison of how big or how small trauma is? And how do you respond to that? How do you handle that? Oh, yes. This is one one of the messages that I love to remind people most often is that all traumatic experiences, no, no matter how quote unquote small they may seem, if they impact you, that is what matters. Because um, with me, like, I think one of the biggest roadblocks in my healing journey, and one thing that really kept me from moving forward was because I continued to compare what I'd been through to people who had been through way more devastating experiences, like my mom, like people who have endured like extreme physical abuse, like compared to others, what I went through seemed insignificant. So when people come to me with that same thought, I have so much compassion for them because that is exactly what I used to think. And it's like, you know, like in my experience, a series of traumatic experiences, even though they don't seem that bad, can compound and lead to something big that impacts you in major ways. And trauma is deeply personal. Um, you know, people often invalidate tra traumatic experiences that don't seem that bad. And I think it's harmful because it prevents people from creating space for their healing, getting the support that they need to help them process it, and, you know, just getting the resources that they need to help them cope with it. And when I hear someone saying like, oh, you know, it really wasn't that bad, but I'm struggling. Like there's a lot of like shame in there as well. So, so yeah, it's like, I always like to remind my community that no matter how small yeah. your trauma seems, you deserve to heal. And unless you put the time and effort to create space for your healing those wounds, the pain isn't going to get any better. It'll just, it'll just stick with you and keep compounding if you continue to go through other traumatic experiences. Yeah, those are wise words. Because I think we instinctively, we try to compare it and we diminish what happens to us if we, if we think it doesn't measure up to what we think a trauma should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have taken all of these lessons that you've so beautifully articulated here um, with me and with the listeners today, and you've put it into a beautiful book called You're Going to Be Okay, 16 Lessons Sharing Your Vulnerability and Your Story and Your Ongoing Journey of Healing. Um, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to give me sort of a, 
I mean, I know that the book provides us with guidance on how to heal. Um, and by way of the subtitle, yes. I uh, know that it is it's 16 lessons. But is there something that you feel completely called to share with us here about your book? Yeah, so that project is very personal to me. It is the book that I really needed to read on my healing journey when I didn't feel seen or supported because I did turn to books and a lot of the trauma books out there are very clinical and they do have a lot of great information in them. But when I was struggling, I didn't necessarily need to read about the science behind my symptoms and everything that was wrong with me. I really wanted someone to tell me, I know what you're going through is really hard, but there is hope and healing is possible. So that's what I really set out to accomplish in this book. And in it, I shared the 16 lessons that I learned on my healing journey that I wish I knew sooner, the lessons that helped shift my perspective and reduce my shame. And I hope that it does the same for readers. I love it. I can't wait to read your book. I, I think, you know, what you've <laughs> articulated, what you've explained, practical, something that I can relate to. I mean, just listening to you today has just been so inspiring and I could connect to just so much um, of what you've shared here today, like the lessons, but not only the lessons, but also the experience that you had, those feelings and emotions that pushed up, the thought processes, the, the physical changes. And I know that there are so many, you know, victims of trauma who have not yet transformed into survivors that are out there struggling. And I'm hoping that through this episode, we can reach them and they can find you and they can find your book and join your community just to have that network of safety and guidance that we need um, following uh, an incident that is traumatic. So thank you, Madeline. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Yes, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you again for creating the space for it. You're very welcome. And like I said before, I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> Take thank care. You. Bye. Bye. That wraps up this podcast episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy my podcast, please take a minute to give me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast directory so you don't miss an episode. Please consider following My Scented Life on Facebook and Instagram for daily inspiration. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. You can catch me again in the next episode. Same time, same place. Sending you lots of love and light. Bye.